Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here, bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I'm actually bringing someone on who is not yet a podcaster, although I'm hopeful this interview did actually convert them down this path, the one and only Tom Breeze of Viewability. Now, Tom would have to be one of the best in the world at YouTube ads. And the reason why I brought him on the show is because so many podcasters are now questioning the idea of if their podcast should be on YouTube. And if it is, like, how can we actually grow our podcast with YouTube ads? Now, I know these are two topics I have been diving deep into myself lately, and I've also wasted a ton of money trying to work things out on my own. It's only in more recent times with the help of Tom have I actually been able to find some success with YouTube ads and podcasting and mixing that whole thing together. So if you do a video podcast and you're wondering how can I be more successful on YouTube and use their ads platform, this will be a knockout episode for you. And then on the other side, if you are an audio podcaster currently and you're wondering if it's going to be worth making the jump to video or maybe ways you could even use uh, video ads to an audio podcast, then I think this will be a very helpful episode for you as well. Now, Tom doesn't hold back and he really just gives it all away. Like you could honestly listen to this episode, go away and do what he says and find success with YouTube ads and your podcast from there. Now, if you haven't already, please make sure you do subscribe to the show. And if you've ever wondered how your podcast might compare to my podcast, are you doing the same things that I'm doing? Then we've actually got a new quiz at Vela Media, and that means you can take our quiz and get a score and see how your podcast actually compares to mine and the things we are doing to have a successful show at Vela Media. We've also got some new goodies going up on our resource page, so I'll make sure to put some links below so you can take the quiz and see how your podcast compares and also grab some new resources that we are putting up in the coming days or will be out by the time this episode goes live. So without further ado, we're going to head into this episode with the one and only Tom Breeze. Welcome to the podcast, Tom Breeze. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good, Charlie. How are things? Excellent. And I want to give some context to this episode before we record it. Um, I'm in a Facebook group with the one and only Mike Rhodes, who's just a phenomenal uh, ads guy and Google ads specialist. And I put up a request to him if anyone had any experience with YouTube ads and podcasting because these are the worlds I would love to cross because we see this huge video platform and these ads platforms. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to do this. I had, uh, we'll call it donated. I'm gonna go with a Google donation here. Spent, uh, I'll say about $1,000 on testing some things myself and I just could not get it to crack. And then uh, after talking with Mike, maybe about a week later, this video appeared. This mystical, mystical, wistier video that had Tom Breeze and uh, Mike Rhodes on it doing a training on YouTube ads. And without doubt, it was the best two-hour piece of content I'd watched in a long time. Not only that, is we took the things from it and we did it. Um, and in a couple of our podcasts, we've seen a phenomenal uh, increase in result from bringing in that formula and some things we'll go into that episode here. So on the back of that, I followed up with Tom and I was like, 
this is amazing. Tom was then generous enough to come on a call and show me some other little wizardry tricks once again, um, which we then implemented and have worked again. I said, well, we have to get Tom in this podcast. We have to start talking about YouTube ads um, and what's working in this realm because I think there's a huge opportunity for podcasters that no one is talking about, no one is paying attention to, and they're my favourite things to do because I think that's where huge opportunities for growth come from. So, Tom, a big thank you for coming on the show. But before we get into my line of questionings, can you please tell us a little bit about what you do in viewability? Yeah, well, that's a lovely introduction. So thank you for that. Um, so I run a YouTube ad agency uh, called Viewability. So we, we call ourselves an agency. Every time we mention that in the agency, we kind of say, well, really, we're an anti-agency, which sounds pretty weird. But... Um, the way that we do it, so we just do YouTube ads, um, and the way we do it is our financial model and the setup is very different to most agencies. So instead of a traditional monthly fee or percentage of ad spend, the way we do it with clients is we almost like it feels like a partnership where we work on a CPA deal, which means that basically we fund the advertising and then clients pay an agreed result, be it on a cost per lead or cost per sale basis. Um, and it just changes the whole dynamic of the relationship because it means that we have to kind of work with the right clients we feel like we can actually get the result with. But then we grow and we build together. So um, it means that I get to test so much on my own dime as well without having to spend client money to test out things, which means that we just get loads of knowledge really quickly. Um, but as we grow, as we scale, we're able to test loads of things with clients. And yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful way of growing a growing agency. So it's Whilst you have like normal agencies, we kind of like like to think of ourselves as a bit of an anti-agency, um, and um, and we also do training as well. So we start to train up uh, people to become experts at creative and ad buying as well on YouTube. So that's kind of what we do at Viewability, and um, hopefully, I can share some of that knowledge with you guys on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited for it, and it's it's an interesting perspective. I often have wondered how many agencies would survive if they only got paid on the results they produce. Um, I really, really wonder what the industry would look like in that world. So it's, I, mean, I think it's great you've been able to do that and been incredibly successful with it. So where I want to open this conversation up and start from is where I was really struggling. Um, so for okay. me, I, I'll talk you through how I was approaching it and then I want to talk to how into how you were approaching it because I think this is the the big kind of once this light bulb went off for me, I think I thought about YouTube completely differently. What I thought, dangerous words, um, was that <laughs> I would be able to take the video from my podcast, just put it up on YouTube and maybe run it as an ad. And if people were maybe enjoying the first minute of it, they would click through and watch my show. So I really thought I could just take the creative of my episode, put it on YouTube uh, in front of people who might be interested in that, and then that would work. And as mentioned earlier, that was about a $1,000 uh, donation in, in kind of creating that. And I would love to think from your perspective of podcasting particularly, how can we approach YouTube in a different way? How can podcasters think about YouTube ads as something they might be able to use for their show? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting thing. So, so when you had that mindset to begin with, had you been doing that sort of thing on let's say Facebook, for example, and, and you're getting pretty good results there or like, how is it that you came up with that strategy to begin with? That's a really good question. Normally I ask the questions, but I'm fine with this. We can go the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah. This podcast will be just me interviewing you for the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what, two, 
disclose more there, we have been doing that strategy on Facebook ads and Instagram okay, ads yeah. with a great amount of success. Like it has mm. and is still working where you can take that creative or run those full episodes and bring in new listeners and fans. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I thought would be the case because I think that most people that are looking at Facebook and Instagram, they, they start there. They kind of like get momentum and they see this platform and it's where everyone else is. And it's got that social proof, so to speak of like lots of people can get really good results there. And the platform itself is when people are going to Facebook, like if I pick up my phone and go to Facebook, it's normally because I'm distracted or I want to see if really for me, it's like, I want to see if someone's mentioned me. And so I need to reply to that person or if someone's messaged me or whatever's going on in the social environment within my kind of like group of friends or connections. And that's why I go to Facebook and I kind of scroll through my newsfeed and I'll stop if I find something interesting. And so if I was to find your podcast, the chances are I'll be like, ah, this is interesting. Like either the title or the guest or the kind of you, I would kind of see it and stop and then listen to a bit. And I'll be like, actually, this is really, really good. And all of a sudden I'm now 15 minutes into your podcast, fully engaged and ready to go. Um, and so the mindset there is like, you're going there almost looking for a distraction or looking to see what's going on. And then as soon as you scroll up through your newsfeed, that's the kind of telltale sign to be like, now you're just on a platform waiting to see something that might catch your eye. Um, and so that's kind of, that's how I always think about the psychology of someone on Facebook. Whereas with YouTube, the platform there is far less social as much as people tell you. Um, and as much as YouTube wants it to be social, the comments aren't a social network. It's not like you're going to have one person leaving a comment and then someone else having an engagement and talking back and then continuing. People leave comments and they're like, no, it's like a one-time, I'm saying this, almost like a review of the video. And that's it's, it. It's a, it's a statement yeah. platform. It's an, an yeah. interesting statement platform, but continue. Yeah, exactly. So it, from, from that standpoint, you don't have the social interaction as much. And you've got to start thinking like, YouTube is just not designed like that. But people go to YouTube with kind of purpose or intent. Um, and so I think it's much more like TV. Like if we nowadays, I find myself watching less and less TV anyway. And if I go there, it's going to be Netflix or an Amazon thing. I don't think I've actually seen an advert on TV for a long time, but I start to go onto YouTube quite a bit more now as well, um, which has got amazing benefits to us as advertisers on YouTube anyway. And I'll come back to that in a second. But People are going to YouTube when they're full of intent. It's, it's not like we uh, go there just to kind of scroll through a newsfeed. We normally go there with, I want to go and watch something that will either inspire me, someone who I already follow potentially, and that'd be like 53% of people on YouTube apparently. And then the 47% is people that have, um, either want to know something, so we're looking to learn about something, want to do something, or want to buy something. So the want to do people are kind of how-to tutorial type videos and the buy people are like reviews of products. So I, I know that we both have a, um, a baby, you've got a baby boy and I've got a baby girl born on the same day in Halloween. And um, I'm sure like me, there's been moments where you've gone to YouTube and looked up reviews of products, like maybe a stroller or something like we're all there for those, like those reasons and looking to see what other people, real people have to say about products and things like unboxing videos and things like that are always kind of quite interesting to watch. Are you telling me um, you haven't searched for a bugaboo versus a red pram and uh, see which, or the fox versus the, it's, I 
could not even fathom the amount of hours I've spent looking at. <laughs> yeah, doing or, or even better, yeah. how to put them together once you've bought them. As 100%. And, and the, I find the reviews the most frustrating thing sometimes where they don't come to a conclusion at the end where you're like, just take the decision off my hands. Stop telling me they're both great. I'm like, no, tell me which one's better. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at like a, a, t- a monitor at the moment, like a 40... Uh, 49 inch monitor and there's a Dell one and a LG one and I think a Samsung one and they're just saying oh it's good for this not so good for this and good for this and I'm like oh no just tell me which one to buy please because <laughs> I can't do any more research um, anyway the people go to YouTube for this sort of information all the time and so the psychology or the mindset of someone going there is very different and so when we think about that and we think right now let's just stick a podcast episode in front of people as an ad that does nothing for us. We're not scrolling. We're not looking for that sort of content. If you're going to interrupt with us, it better be really good to grab my attention. And then I'll come and find out more. So with that mindset, then it's like, right, well, let's take a step back a second and say, right, we've got amazing content, amazing podcast episodes that are going to be fascinating to our audience. Great. We know that that asset is there. And if they watch one, they're going to binge and then watch others and just fall in love with us. I've done that with Joe Rogan, for example. Um, and um, I'm sure you've got some things to say about Joe Rogan in a second, especially with this recent deal. Such but a fanboy. I'm, I'm going to cool <laughs> down for a second. No, but continue. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, right? So I think that with, with regards to kind of how do you promote a podcast or how do you get exposure for your podcast um, using YouTube, one is put the episode up and hope for the SEO and hope for things to rank and people to share and people to talk and things like that, which is inevitably going to happen if it's a good show, but it'll take time to fast track that. I would think about it and say, right, what we've got to try and do is get in front of people and tell people about some, like the benefits to them, something amazing for them to go and then find out more. Now I'm always kind of direct response driven. So I'm always wanting to see some sort of result. Um, it doesn't always have to be a lead or a sale. It can be sometimes, sometimes like I want to see a subscriber or whatever. So the video you send people through to needs to be edited in such a way where it has like reminders for people to click the subscribe button and things like that. So we can just start to see how many subscribers we start generating from these ads. And then you need to work out what a subscriber is worth to you. Um, there are a ton of different ways to monetize your subscribers. Um, one thing you can do um, is if you get a subscriber on your channel, you can actually build an audience of subscribers that you can target with ads, which is a quite an elegant way of advertising. So you can say, right, my first port of call is to say, run an ad that talks about an amazing episode. Or you could edit your episodes and pull them together. So let's say, for example, you did um, a load of content on YouTube. So you had YouTube ads, YouTube organic, you could have how to create a video, studio setup, I don't know, whatever it is you might kind of talk about, about video and YouTube. You could almost put that into a playlist and then link through to that playlist so people kind of see and are able to binge that content. And it's got subscribe call to actions all the way through it. What you want to do then is let's say, right, let's run that traffic to those people, make sure the subscribe rate is really high and then once you've got that, you're building a list or an audience of people that you can run ads to that are now your subscribers and they've binged your content. So the chance of selling an item, a new like product to those people is very, very high. Um, and that can be a really cool strategy to, to go by. But thinking about the platform to say like people are coming here within, they want to learn about something. They want to learn how to set up their home studio, for example. And if you had an episode on that, 
I'm in. I'm, I'm ready to watch that sort of content. So it's got to be much more specific to what people are searching for. And if you can almost create a trailer about that podcast episode and run that as an ad to link through to the podcast episode that is almost like keyword driven. So if someone says, I, how to build a home studio um, for a podcast, and then you've got a trailer saying, if you're looking for that, I've got, an, I've got a half an hour episode talking about everything, all the links to all the equipment I use from the cheapest stuff to the most expensive stuff, what's worth it, what's not worth. You could just like say that in a trailer, say click here and just watch the whole episode. It's everything you ever, ever need. And then you're, it plays through to a YouTube video. They're going to love you forever. And they're going to subscribe and they're going to see more of your content. And you're just going to grow that kind of subscriber base really, really quickly. And then when you have a big subscriber base, it's leverage for you because then you can say, right, I can now get a guest onto my podcast and say, you've got to be getting in front of 100,000 subscribers, potentially. It might not be that big straight away, but you get the point. Like, You start to be able to say, yeah, we've got 100,000 people. All of a sudden, you've got massive guests and they want to start sharing their episode, their, that YouTube video, and, and you start to get your channel to grow. It's like an exponential growth at that point. But um, yeah, to get something going, especially in the early days where I imagine like starting a YouTube channel is really hard. Starting a podcast must be really hard as well with like, if you don't start off with an audience and you're looking to build it, running ads in the early days can just really ramp up that activity. So many things that we need to deconstruct here, Tom. And just this is one of the reasons <laughs> Sorry, I, I ramble. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 but I was engaged. I was like, "Oh, this is all just uh, thing after thing that I think is really important." But to your point, there is that I think for podcasters that either don't have that audience or want to grow fast, amplification and ads is probably the best thing you can do for show growth. Yeah. I think everything else is a, a more of a slower grind where this has the ability for you to get great gains quickly. Yes, it does cost, but the return on effort can be immense. Now, I want to go back to this though, because this is the breakthrough that I had is that I was treating YouTube like we were treating Facebook. And I realized that intention piece was where we were going wrong. We were just like absolutely applying the wrong strategy. What I would um, like to go into next though, is the idea of what you mentioned there about you've kind of hinted that you're creating an ad for your podcast. You're not, you're not actually using the podcast content itself. You're creating a separate video that you're using in the ad. I'm wondering if we can speak into the idea of, and maybe using that example, maybe I've got a podcast on the perfect podcast studio. When we mm. look at the creative there, how would we go about that? What type of creative is going to be the next step for someone to look at? And I think after that, we'll talk into targeting, but on the creative side, how would you approach creating an ad for a podcast episode? Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a script, a scripting structure called educate that we can dive into in a second, but I think that before you start putting pen to paper, I like to really think about what the purpose of the communication is from the beginning. Um, and, and trying to think about your customers or who you want to watch your podcast and for, for what reason would they be interested in your podcast? Um, and, and this might, um, like we, I've had these sorts of conversations before and people kind of think, I need to change what I'm doing. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm careful to not go too deep into this. Um, and like think people like, oh, I have a, I've done 400 shows on, <laughs> on this topic and now I need to change it. Or, like it's just taking it a pinch, pinch of salt, but it's good to consider these things. So what I tend to start with is like, um, I want to try and identify the promise of the podcast. And in order to do that, um, I need to understand someone's, like the, the customer's desires, like their emotional desires. 
and their values. So let's say, for example, you're tapping into somebody's um, desires, what they actually deep down want. It's like, these are their emotional aspirations. They've probably been carrying around for years, almost like they're writing things down um, on their bucket list. And if you were to look through the bucket list, you'd be able to see like, oh, they want this. That they, like Overall, they, they genuinely want this emotion. It might be like a venture or a sense of belonging or a sense of love or wh- whatever it is. And then once we know what they actually want as a deep-seated emotion, that kind of it gives us an idea of like what sort of level of communication we need to have. So let's say, for example, um, I, I know deep down that I'm, I love adventure adventure in all different respects. So I like to explore something new in business. I'll have to explore something new as a YouTube ad. I'll have to explore something new in like a new country. I just need to do something new. And there needs to be novel stuff around me quite a bit in order for me to be inspired. Um, and so if, if someone's going to be selling a car to me, um, then if they show me that it's got like this off-road capability, all of a sudden it kind of pulls up that emotion of like, oh, I can go on an adventure in this car. I can, I can I'm see never the Jeep drive. Wrangler now. On the, yeah, on the rocks. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. How, like, how, what sort of angle can I get? I'm never going to drive off road. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's just not me. I, I, but I want that dream to be, still be alive. Um, and that, that kind of like, if it shows me this off-road capability, I'm emotionally now tied to that car. I want it. Um, and I love it. Um, and I'm never going to use it. Like it's like seeing these cars that, like a Porsche, for example, that says like our oh, top speed is 220 miles an hour or something. It's like, when am I ever? I've got three kids. When am I ever going <laughs> to need that speed um, to do anything? I might be wanting to drive that fast to school sometimes, but that, that's it. Um, and so it's but it's understanding that the emotional driver behind all of this is what we're trying to tap into. So when you think about your customers, like. What do they want to get? Like the podcast, your podcast is really just a vehicle for somebody else to hopefully get to a new destination where they feel something. They manage to fulfill a dream of theirs. And I know that's quite deep, but like um, I've been working with somebody um, recently and, and again, adventure came up and it was like learning to play the guitar. And um, we could say like, oh, it's a sense of belonging. They want to be in a group. And yeah, that's one thing. But they want, I think like the, the customer base they were talking about is like a, a customer base that want to see if they play guitar, maybe they can live out some of their dreams they had. And maybe that kind of will give them a sense of adventure they have never had before. And what would that look like? Where would they go? Like, where would the guitar take them next? And it's that type of like dream that you can start to kind of nudge people. Whether they can play a certain chord or not is really not interesting to them, even though they want to, that's kind of what they say they want. They actually want adventure. Um, and so it's, it's, quite an, it's quite a difficult thing sometimes to get around. But like once you've got that clear in your mind, it's really key. And then we need to make sure their values are aligned with that as well. So if they find that um, something important to them might be um, professionalism or casualness or something, again, that's a, you need to kind of make sure you align with them. So, um, so it makes people feel like, oh, I'm, I'm getting my desire fulfilled in a way that that will fit with my values. It's in a way that I like to do things. I like to see someone being professional or I like to see someone being completely casual or I like to be buying something at the right price. Like I want to get a deal or I don't, I want to pay for the best that's out there. It, it can be like whatever your value alignment is that you probably had within you that kind of uh, helps you make decisions basically. Um, when I know that, then you can start to build this promise, which is like, basically you're saying, if you buy this product, if you listen to this podcast, you will get what you desire 
in the way that you like it. And if you know that and you can almost write that statement down, it starts to transform how you're going to put this ad together. It makes it a lot, lot easier at this point because then you can say, right, well, we're building a list. Our listeners are these types of people. They listen, they kind of, they'll take action, they'll do their thing. Um, so you can kind of give them that status of like, you are one of us and this is how we tend to behave. Um, and then you could even like do symbols or like you can, like symbols are quite an important thing to drive home that message constantly. Um, so if there's certain things like, I don't know if it is adventure, you might want to get your community to post pictures about them having an adventure by when they listen to your podcast, for example, like where are you listening to it? Take a picture and send it in. Someone might be on a mountainside, someone might be, I don't know, wherever it might be. You want to kind of like let people show you that they are part of this tribe. And then you can show that to other people and you say, we're this sort of people. And by having that sense of belonging within that group or that sense of like, um, by listening to this podcast, I'm able to get my level of significance. I can be seen to be the sort of person that's progressing and learning and, and learning from this podcast. That gives people this opportunity to really be who they want to be and, and they're big drivers as well. So just, I realize I'm kind of, yeah. I just want to, because I really like where you're going with this in the idea that I think this gets missed in podcasting. So I just want to uh, reiterate something in a different way. Sometimes mm. I feel like podcasting gets very tactical. I feel like everyone's mm-hmm. trying to make like, for example, a clickbait episode where it's like, what, what's right, okay, the one yeah. episode I can get people to click on so they'll come and listen to my show, but that deeper thinking kind of lacks. And then in turn, it's a very short lived subscriber. It's not a real raving fan. And yeah. I'll give you the example. We'll use uh, this as a, a bad example. So this is what you shouldn't do. It's like, well, Tom, I can help you have a really successful podcast, but you've got to steal from your family. You've got to, like, that's the only way you can do it in this world. So that's that value alignment bit. It's like, well, hang on, I, I'm probably not going to pay that as the price. The alignment isn't there. Or no, 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 mm. we'll do it in another way. Where you can have a successful podcast, but you've got to move countries. So you can see that these types of things, and obviously in my niche they work. In other, in other niches, maybe adventure, moving countries might be a good thing. Um, yes, but yeah. it's a very, very interesting concept to think about, like, that as the beginning and pastest ad creation, but in podcasting in general, is if you can understand that, you can bring that into all your content, which I think is unique. But we'll, we'll press on through that now and let's talk into the ad itself. Yeah, exactly. So once you've got that foundation set and you're like, I know now like, what my audience is going to resonate with, if I can talk about belonging or adventure and that really gets people's emotions going, it becomes so much easier to start writing um, because now you're kind of not thinking about trying to sell something. You're almost allowing them to buy in. Um, so I'm looking at, I'm, I'm kind of trying to phrase the podcast as a product in a way, because it kind of is the way that I would look at it is to say, you are going to get into this podcasting world of mine that I've created for you. You're going to love it and it's going to help business. Um, and so it's still kind of like that, level of engagement. So the way that I would then think about writing this ad or putting this ad together would be like like a trailer for each episode. So you know that you're going to target the right people based on their desires and things or based on their wants. But we've got this educate system. So educate is an acronym and we go through seven steps. So the A is for the aim. Like what does the customer want? Start there. Like I wouldn't go quite as specific to say, Hey, it sounds like you want to venture. <laughs> I wouldn't go like that, but it'd be much more a case of, okay, cool. So you're looking to build a podcast. That's awesome. Um, and you kind of like allow them to realize that like this ad is directly relevant to them. You're talking to something they want right in that moment in time. And you might think of some cool hooks that you might want to use. 
um, that makes people think, wow, that's cool and gets their attention for sure. Um, and it could be like the how to do this, or it could be a bit of a case study, perhaps. Um, I don't want to get too far into that clickbait idea, but it's, it's that type of thing of like getting someone to pay attention for a second. So that's the aim, like align with the customer's aim. And then the next very next step is the D of educate. So that's the difficulty. Um, what's standing in their way of achieving that already. They've gone to YouTube because something's stopping them from getting that aim. They're looking for something like, I can't set up a home studio because I just don't know what to get. I don't know what to buy. I don't know how to set it up. And what's all the difficulties? What's the things that's standing in their way? And you want to kind of talk to that as well to say like, yes, you can waste a lot of money potentially if you don't buy the right equipment or you get too much of it or um, it's not like whatever setup is kind of potentially right for you and on your budget and things like that. So I think you might be in this market. I see you can't see my shelf, but it's like, I've got the wrong light, wrong microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm subtly selling to you. That's what's going on there. I like it. (laughs) Because, spot on. Can, did his research before he comes here. Podcast guests take note. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so you, you talk to the difficulty that they all say, yeah, that's exactly my problem. Um, and even if you can explain it to them in a way that they haven't explained it to themselves before, that's a real cool thing to do. So if you've got experience with the problem of helping people with that problem before and they phrased it in certain ways and other people are like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how my problem feels and it kind of you're uncovering their own problem for them they're like they just want to trust you completely which is great um so they want to trust you they don't write just yet but they want to so then you move into the you which is the understanding so you need to have empathy with them at this point to say look i get it i understand you and give them reasons as to why they feel like you can understand them um so you might want to say look i've been helped i've helped hundreds of people in the same space or i've built 55 studios last year i know how to do this um so it's kind of like they know that like and i know that you don't want to buy the wrong thing because it's going to waste your money you can just buy the right stuff well i'll show you what you need to get type thing um so you want to kind of align with that understanding that emotional kind of like it's risk oh it's not risky but it's like it's a lot of money and you don't want to get it wrong and so you kind of align with that emotion then you move into the C of educate, which is the credibility piece. So again, this can, they can overlap slightly, but like the credibility piece is where you're going to want to let people know that you can be their guide. Like you can be the person that helps them in this process. Um, so with the podcast episode, you could be like, look, I've been doing, um, podcasting for this many years. I've helped this many number of people do podcasts as well. I can show you how to set up your podcast studio. That's not a problem for me. Um, I speak on stage all the time. I've written a book about it. I've done like whatever you want to pull into the credibility to make people feel like, okay, cool. It seems like I can trust you then. It doesn't have to be a lot because they already want to trust you, but it's something they can hang their logic hat on to be like, okay, cool. It sounds like you know what you're doing. And then what you want to do is, is move into the um, after credibility. So you've got ADU, C for credibility. Then you move into your um, action plan, which is the A of educate. So the action plan is really what we're going to do is we're going to break it down into like a system or a, like your proprietary way of doing things. Now, for a podcast episode, if you're promoting that, you might say, look, I actually have a system of how to create these these um, podcast studios. <laughs> I'm really talking a lot about podcast studios at the second. I, I like it could be about anything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great and relatable for our, my audience, I feel, because they've all gone through this. So for them to be able to refer that into their own market, the dots will come perfect. Yeah. Love it. Okay, cool. So then you might say, okay, this is, this is actually a three-step thing. Um, first of all is making sure you can get the right stuff together. So it might be audio and lighting and camera or something like that. It's like the first piece, like production. The second piece might be like getting the right guests 
together or, or I don't know. I, I, um, it's going to be more a case of like trying to build it out. So it feels like to somebody like, okay, there's three steps, it's three things I need to do. Yes. There's more steps within those three main core macro steps, but it's just three things that's digestible. That's easy. I can buy into this. So you want to make someone feel like there's a system they need to follow. So they need to follow your system, your methodology, and they can buy into that. And so it feels like they can almost print off your methodology, look at it and be like, I get it. I, I can see it visually. I can, I can follow something now. Um, because that really helps people buy into something. A system allows you to have that um, instant credibility in their eyes because it sounds like you've done it many times before. Its systems always seem proven. It's a way that things work, but also it's digestible. It's something I can learn and it's not too daunting. It's almost like future pacing. It's going, okay, well, you're here and then these are the next three things you're going to have to come apart. So in the example you've used, it's like, we're going to get your studio set up, then we're going to teach you how to make great content, and then we're going to show you how to promote it. Perfect. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. That's exactly what it would be. Then it's the three steps. So, almost and like you might I even call it system. something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my word. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, but you might want to call it, like, you might want to call it something so people can, again, feel like, oh, that's, that's the system that Charlie has, for example. So uh, with Educate, I now, like, people refer Educate back to me all the time. They're like, oh, I love your Educate thing, by the way. Um, that's Tom's Educate thing. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of taking a life on its own and it's a methodology. Um, and it, it's just like seven letters, of course, but like, and there's so much more that goes to it, but people love to have a system like that. They can, they can be like, okay, cool. It's called something I'm in. Okay, cool. Good. But then once you've done your action plan, you kind of just want to give an overview because really what you're saying is go and watch the episode to, to see the whole thing. Then it's going to be the teach section. So that's T of educate and teach one is like, you either give a demonstration or you uncover something that is about this system, or you pull out a subset of information that makes them go, wow, really? So um, it could be, so I, I, um, I, I might speak on stage. I know you do a lot of speaking on stage as well. Like those moments where you're speaking and then you look up and you see that the audience are all writing it down and they're all nodding and that type of thing. Whatever it is that you just said there, that's the kind of teach moment. So it's something that someone goes, that's really insightful. That's really clever. Or that's really amazing. Um, and then from you've set them up then for them to feel like not only do they need to now go and get the whole system because it sounds like this is just one little bit sounded amazing. They're also going to then start thinking, well, if that was that good, how do I get the rest of it? And of course, the, the call to action is to go and, um, go and get your podcast. And so you, you're teeing people up for the last piece of Educate, which is the E, which is the exit. And that's kind of where you're saying, right, what do you need to tell people to go and do right now? And you want to make it super easy for people and a no-brainer. Um, so the offer needs to be really, really good for people to be like, this is exactly what I want. It aligns with my desires. It's how I like to consume content. So they click and immediately they're into like a half an hour episode of just pure amazing content where they think this is amazing. They hit subscribe and you're, and you're growing your list that way. Um, so for me, that like the educate model just gives me all the prerequisites I need to like go through that process. And then I sit there with it for a, a day or two to be like, right, how do I now like make this really cool and creative? And something that I often recommend people do is there's a tool online called Vidtao, V-I-D-T-A-O. And it's a new tool and you can go to, um, go to the tool, download it. So vidtao.com, V-I-D-T-A-O, go and download it. And you can, or you can, look at all the top 
YouTube ads that are out there at the moment. And so you can go through them and see like, right, in, in certain industries, what's the top ranked video right now? Like what's getting the most views, what's getting the most spend on it, et cetera. And you can just draw inspiration, like really good creative inspiration. So there's one that I've seen recently from Gordon Ramsay doing a masterclass um, promotion for his uh, course. And um, I mean, he doesn't really even say anything for the first like 20 seconds of this ad. It's just beautiful, um, kind of beautiful artwork of like him creating the food. But um, I think the only words he says at the very beginning, he says something really clever, which is watch carefully. So he just says that directly to camera. And it's obviously about cooking, but as an ad, you see him say, watch carefully. He's looking down the barrel of the lens at you. And immediately you're like, okay, I better watch carefully because this is Gordon Ramsay telling me to watch carefully. Um, and so you're watching carefully about the ad, which is really clever. Um, and then it gets into about 15 seconds in or something. And he's like, going, oh, this food and like loving it. Um, and he drops the spoon and then he, then he swears, he goes effing delicious. <laughs> and then it cuts into like, I've decided to do another masterclass. You know, I want, I'm in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you say from here on in. Like that was just a, a beautiful way of showing me that what you've just created, I want to be able to do. And so you can start to get really creative with how you put these videos together. But if you've got podcast after podcast after podcast, you can create a new little trailer ad for them and just really enjoy the process of like creating an ad and putting it out there and getting people to watch the ad and then click through to the uh, to the episode. So they're just absorbed and they just want to subscribe, but just make sure that people know to subscribe. That's kind of like, you want to make sure that's key on the actual episode that you release as well. I feel like podcasters have the best offer when it comes to ads, because what we're actually trying to sell or en- encourage people to do is free. As long as our yeah. content is good, it's like, we're not actually asking for a purchase or anything like that. We're actually just wanting to give people more great content. So I think mm. it lends itself well to this medium as well. But one of the things is when I first went through your educate system and looked at this, uh, the first thing I thought is I can absolutely see why what I was doing wasn't working in comparison to this. Like I would much rather engage with this than that. But the second thought I had is, well, this is going to be a lot of work compared to what we were doing. Is it going to be worth it? And this is my little kind of segue into discovery here. I think one of the things we have to really recognize with the difference between YouTube and Facebook is that Facebook has this very, very short life cycle. There is no evergreen on Facebook. It is legitimately, you get this cycle through and then it's kind of done where YouTube, there's constantly new people coming to search terms or coming into that market, which kind of, when I realized this, I was like, well, hang on, we're not putting all this effort into production to have it last a week. If we make a great ad for one of our episodes, this is something we could theoretically leave on for years if it was yeah. the right thing. So what I'd love to go into from here is talking about this, the dynamic of targeting and this life cycle um, here. And um, you understand it much better than I do. How do you think about uh, what I just said, I suppose the evergreen mm-hmm. component and the search term component? And then what do you feel like is a good targeting option or way to think about it for podcasters? Yeah, everything I do on YouTube, I'm thinking like an evergreen mindset. I'm thinking like, I'm going to set this up, get it dialed in, get it optimized, scaled, and then I'm good. Like, I'm going to let that run. I'm going to keep my eye on it, but it's, I'm setting it up like an asset. I'm, I'm looking at like, right, every piece of ad creative I run, I'm saying that is not something that's going to have like a really short shelf life, but it's promoting an episode. And once that episode starts getting like good exposure and lots of video and lots of um, it's getting ranked because it's good content and getting, getting lots of eyeballs on it and lots of comments and likes and shares and 
and subscribes, that will take on its life as its own. And it's going to be something that kind of starts appearing in the top of the search results for keywords that you really want to appear for. And then it's just constant. Every time someone searches for how to build a home studio on podcasting, you're there again. And it's amazing content. It's like exactly what you need to put together. So I'm, I'm looking at like the ads are purely like a, a leg up to get what you want from an organic perspective. But also if the, if the ads are working and you're seeing really good results with it, it's like, keep them on, let them keep running. Like just, it's not going to run out of steam anytime soon. Um, but you don't have to spend a fortune on it. You can spend a very small amount on a daily basis, like $2 a day or something if you really wanted to. And just let that ad run to when people are looking for that content, the ad appears and pushes people through to your video. And you'll get hundreds of thousands of views. If, that, if, if the content is good enough to promote and you're finding that you're kind of building a good audience from it and people are loving it, yeah, you're going to find that there's a, there's a big market on YouTube. Lots of people like wanting good information. If you've got good information, they are in, 100% in, because there's a lot of bad information out there on YouTube as well. Um, just to interject so yes, there, yeah. if, if someone's just starting out, because there's going to be two forms of, there's podcasters who have production crews and teams and like for them, it's like, sweet, YouTube ad, how many today? Like they can bang it <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, I, I'm in that category and I take that for granted. Like we can put things together, but I know there's more out there. But what I would, I just want to emphasize here, if you're a one man or girl, so one man or lady podcast, and you're doing this stuff yourself, you could likely just start with picking some of your best episodes um, and not doing it for every episode. Maybe start with your best three and get some winners in that could do it from there rather than taking this on as an, an overwhelming uh, process, I think is just something I want to highlight there. And then mm. the second thing I'll quickly say is we've got one running now that we've had running for a, like a month and a half and haven't turned it off. So it's nice. like it's really unusual from a podcaster's perspective if we haven't had that type of promotion before being able to run that long. So again, a very unique thing. Yeah, I would prefer anyone who's getting to YouTube for, for episodes like this. I prefer you to have like maybe, like let's say, for example, you can go crazy on production. Then I'd say for every episode you do, as long as you feel like this is a really, really good episode, I would then say like, I want to create three ads for it. Like three, it doesn't have to be like really well thought through ads. It can be like three off the cuff. You just film it done and it's and it's kind of like an ad is put together to just see if it works, to see if you've got this, this ad pushing traffic through to it, good click-through rates and that type of thing. If, you, if you're doing that and you build these ads for it, I'm like saying like work out a system where it's easy for you to do that. Like it, you don't have to kind of sit there and really think it through. It's like you'll get better and better at creating these little trailers anyway. Once you've done one, you're like pretty much the same thing every time, just a slight different kind of spin on things based on the episode. But I'd much prefer you to have like, instead of one core ad for all your podcast, it's like have a new ad for every single episode and then just cover off everything, but just be super relevant. So if someone looks for something specific, you're there with a very specific ad that's just exactly what they're looking for. Um, and you have hundreds of these out, ho hopefully over time. So each episode you create is like a core piece of content that is not it, it's it's like an evergreen piece that is much like longer. It's it's like um the life of it is like forever. Um, it's and so you're kind of thinking like how do I support this growth of this amazing piece of content to be amplified and it's worth it for me and like I want to see it just grow and grow and grow. You don't have to spend a, like much on it at all. You can do it if it's working well, but start really low and just be like I've got twenty ads running all to different episodes, the whole channel's going crazy. 
um, because it's like it's all getting like two dollars a day or something like that. But across twenty episodes, that's like going to be forty dollars a day, and you're spending forty dollars on just amplifying your content. You're going to really grow your channel very very quickly. It's, and just to add some context, in the example we've used, like, you know, how to set up a podcast studio, I just think about, like, there's new people coming into that market every mm. month. So it's not like it's going in front of the same people. It's like every month there's new people wanting to start a podcast. So it's like that is one of the things that isn't on Facebook is that new in-market feel. And it really feels to me that this is something that compounds instead of flows which is yeah. kind of how I view these differently as well. But I want to loop back around to targeting. So I've just kind of hinted at the first one as keyword targeting, but how can we, mm. or how should we think about targeting on YouTube as podcasters? If, if we, okay, so, so if you're getting started with YouTube and you want to do this like low spend, but just start amplifying your results and getting more and more exposure and stuff to the episodes you've already created, then I would say that like, I would start with, low spend and the way that I would target would be through placement targeting. So placement targeting, I think is like one of the most underrated ways of advertising. It's on YouTube. It's not going to ever get you amazing, amazing scale, but it's going to give you such granular control that you, it's very difficult to waste money and it's very difficult to spend money badly. I don't know if my English should really let me down there. I like like it though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're spending money badly. (laughs) Um, You're speaking to someone that's donated a thousand dollars this year to Google. So it's like, I'm going to say, yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what we're looking to do is to say, right, with placement targeting, what you're actually doing is you're saying, I want to run my ad. So you see these pre-roll ads on YouTube. That's kind of what I'm thinking about here. So you run this ad and you can choose exactly what videos you want your ad to run in front of. So you basically, it's like choosing the URLs of the videos that you would love your ad to run in front of. And, and so you can build this list of them. Now, um, you can either go there manually and find out all the videos you want to do. That's going to take you ages. That's actually how I built my agency in the first time, first um, kind of like few weeks and things. Um, it was hard, hard work, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. And now tools exist. Um, so there's loads of tools out there. We've got our own, but there's, um, there's um, Adzula is a great one. Um, there is also TubeSift. It's another one that's great as well. So you, you basically type in a keyword and it'll give you all the videos that kind of rank and are relevant to that keyword. So let's say, for example, let's change, well, let's keep it the same thing. So how to set up a, a podcast studio. If you type that in, I bet you there's hundreds of videos about that sort of content. Um, and do you then basically, it'll give you those list of all this. You can say, I want however many, however many videos on that content. So you take them, you see which ones are relevant, you download that list, and then you use that list of URLs, that list of all those videos as your targeting method inside of your account. So you can then say, if anyone watches or is about to watch any of these videos about setting up a podcast studio, I want my ad to run in front of it. And it's that specific. And then when you're running the traffic, you can actually go through every single video and see how much you spent on it. If it got clicks to your other episodes, that was worth it. And you can start to say, right, well, of the hundred that I came up with, only really 10 of them are good for me. Like they give good like results and it's kind of good cost per click through to my episode and things. And it's, it's worth it with those 10 videos. And like, great. Let that be the way it is then. So just pause everything else, just have your 10 ad, ten videos that you're targeting and you say, right, when anyone watches one of those, one of those videos, my ads are going to appear. And your ad appears and you get traffic and it's going to your episode and lo and behold, your video 
will start getting lots more, more exposure from really, really relevant targeting. And so you can't really spend a fortune on it, but you're spending on exactly the right person at exactly the right time. They've come to YouTube, they want to know that information, and they see your ad and to go through to your episode. So from that standpoint, it's the most granular way of running an ad campaign. But then imagine if you do that for all of your episodes and they're all got slightly different topics. So it's like, right, how to, what podcasting mic is best? Or now you might have a podcast about that. Or how do you book guests for your podcast? There's probably going to be YouTube videos about that. And so you just get those exact, those exact videos in front of exactly those. Um, so your ad is getting in front of exactly the right relevant videos constantly. Um, I think that would be the way that I would get started for, for two reasons. One is um, you can't really waste too much money and it's like you can find out what works and what doesn't work quite easily. <laughs> do, do, do you want to, I'm just laughing. I was like, I wish I just spoke to you before I spent that thousand dollars. <laughs> I, mean, I, I worked through with some logic. I was like, I'll just target other podcasts. People are already watching a podcast, like they'll watch this podcast, like it'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible idea, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe at but, scale I mean, differently, but I love the granularity yeah. of someone starting. I think that is the best starting point in what I do now and will do in future. And, and I think it's like the, the other thing about it as well is that, yes, you can't really waste too much money. But the second thing is you can start to look at the titles of the videos or even watch the videos where your ad appears in front of it. And if you do that, and bear in mind, you can target based on a like like just Australian listeners or UK listeners or American listeners. And if you wanted to get very specific, like male, female age range, you got all those options like you would do on Facebook. But what you're finding out now is like, who's watching your videos, what videos they're watching that makes them like your content. And if you get to understand that and you say, okay, it tends to be mainly female audience or a male audience or a younger audience, or an older audience or a certain location across the world, you can get all that data and you can start analyzing it. And when you start noticing it, you're like, okay, cool. I kind of got a much better feel for who my customer is. And now when I create creative, I'm writing it for them. And also when I start to go into like keyword targeting, I kind of know what they, they like. I know what they're typing in now to get these sorts of videos up. So I can start targeting keywords now as opposed to just the placements. And so you start to begin that scale process and you go to keywords, then you can go to that customer intent and and on and so forth and so forth. So you can kind of start scaling up, but you start small, get good results, find out that data that really supports you, and then start going into much more kind of like bigger audience targeting and things like that. Um, and you can you can do some wonderful things on YouTube. So you can, one of the things that you might want to do is like, let's say for example, you had a, uh, if there's a, a website, like a competitor website to you, Charlie, or if there's like a, a blog out there that's all about setting up a podcast, for example. You can, with a custom affinity audience, it's called, you can actually just put their website in and build an audience of people that are like, who like to go to that website. Um, and so you can say, oh, all the people that like to go to that website, I want to run my ad in front of. So now if they're watching cat videos or something completely irrelevant to your content, you can still get in front of them. They're like, oh yeah, I love cats, but I also love this content as well. And they wouldn't know that you've got in front of them based on the fact that they like that website they go to. But you, it's like having a little remarketing pixel on someone else's site, basically. Um, so you build audiences of people that like your competitors. And so you can say, great, well, if they like those people, or there's a fit, uh, an affinity with who I am, um, like then you can run ads to those people. And um, that sort of scale is huge then. You can spend a lot of money on those people. I would say get your targeting dialed in first and make sure it's all making money and you're happy with it and things to, before you get into those 
type of targeting, but there's so much opportunity. I can just see it here. My terrible ad for Facebook that I thought would work on YouTube mixed with the wrong targeting. It's like, why did this donation happen, Tom? I can't work it out. Why? Um, but it, <laughs> yeah. this is the whole thing is, is really understanding how to think about it differently. And I think this is something mm. where your perspective and this methodology, once you understand this, I think YouTube is actually winnable for podcasters, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. But something yeah. I want to just really highlight here is that I think people forget that YouTube is owned by Google and Google also make Gmail and they also have Google Analytics and they also have Chrome and they also have Android. They know everything, like everything. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they buy Visa data as well and a whole bunch of things. Um, so that They also um, they do Waze. Have you got Waze <laughs> yeah. on your phone? Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like the GPS tracking thing. I didn't even know it was owned by Google. Um, but now they even know where you're going every step of the way. Like you can build an audience of people on uh, for YouTube ads based on places that people go. So they go to a golf club on a regular basis. Google know that about you. Cool, you're a golfer. And so they say, if you if you frequent golf clubs, you can fall into an audience that we want to target. So just because you had your mobile phone on when you went there, it's amazing what it's possible. It's kind of, you know, when people say, oh, but my data, I'm like, your data went years ago. <laughs> like You've already given it all to Google, um, which is a bit worrying, but yeah. But it's worrying, as an advertiser, but, I love it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I hear that argument all the time. And um, I mean, shout out to my mum, who is, you know, a fan of the show, of course, but it's like, you know, she will often say things about, she's concerned about these companies taking her data. I just think about it so differently. I w essentially want them to take my data and make my experience good. Do you know what mm. I'm sick of? Crappy ads, videos I don't want to watch, content that's irrelevant. Yeah. Like if you could take my data and enhance the experience I'm having with the tools I want to use, go for it. And I'll, I'll happily yep. record that. So I'm like, but for anyone who questions the accuracy of Google's data, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I think there's a legal legality line of what they're allowed to do. And we could massively overstep it if government got out of the way, but they know everything. <laughs> they know everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the government okay. don't know how much they know, which is the scary bit as well. But yeah, they don't understand it. I, I've heard stories from Mike um, over <laughs> yeah. about some things and I'm just like, wow, okay, yeah, no, nah, the public doesn't even know. <laughs> they don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, talk to Mike Rhodes if you want to know some more good Google conspiracy stories uh, or not, but I can't confirm or deny anything here. <laughs> Bringing that back though, I think that this has been a really good overview and just to um, look at that is placement targeting to start, low budgets, maximise that relevancy, hard to spend money badly, that quoted item of this show. After you understand your audience a little bit better, we can go into keywords. So as an example, how to build a podcast studio, which mic would mm -hmm. you buy? You go after those keyword terms, which again is one of the things people use on YouTube. And then after that, and you've got that understanding, you can start to go broader into maybe specific channels or those affinity audiences you go for. For podcasters though, I would say that it's pretty hard to max out the first two with how much content we make and how many different keywords and Really, if you just got good at those two, you could have phenomenal results uh, with YouTube in general. Easy. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's going to be, if you get good at placements and keywords, you're going to be like, on your, you, you'll be starting to explore everything else as well. Like you can spend a lot of money just on those two things. But like, um, I would say that the, the key thing with the growth of a podcast is like the value of a podcast, which I'm, it's not going to be easy to calculate that one immediately, but you can do that with YouTube quite easily. So most people are going to be having a podcast with the intention, I assume, to say they're going to sell something 
through their business, whether it be like products or consultancy or a service-based business or something on those lines. I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, that that's going to be what people have the podcast for. It's a, a way of building the audience and then start selling some of, the, some of that stuff. In general, yes. This audience particularly would be business owners or affiliate marketers uh, or something. They monetize their show definitely. There's an alignment. Cool. Yeah, exactly. So you're building a network, all the amazing things that comes with um, podcasting. I'm, I'm, as you can probably tell, I don't run a podcast. I like going on podcasts, but I don't have a podcast. Um, something I'm going to hopefully fix in the future. And I'm sure you'll probably encourage me to do that. The way I like it with YouTube though, is you can like say, right, if you are running ads, how much does it cost us to acquire a subscriber? And like, that could be your metric to be like, right, we're running ads. If we were to do it to one episode, it's costing us hardly anything to get a subscriber. If we run, it, run ads to a different episode, ah, it actually costs quite a lot. Let's stop running to that episode. Like that episode's not quite as powerful for us. So you can kind of quick, quite quickly work out which, which ones get you lots of subscribers. Because then as you release a new video, all the subscribers get notified anyway. So as you release a new podcast episode, it's like, boom, gets lots of views again. But with those subscribers, then you can start to put a monetary value of those subscribers because you can say, right, I'm going to run ads to the subscribers for a product or for um, like an opt-in for a webinar or something that you can then work out the value of all of that. But then you can start to kind of put a monetary value and say, ah, I know that long-term a subscriber is worth this much to me, um, each one. And then you can be like, right, well now, how much do I want to spend to acquire a subscriber? Um, now you couldn't try and do that. So it's like you actually make profit from it. You could be break even just for scale, or you might be looking at a loss leader because you get all the other benefits from promoting your channel kind of aggressively as well. Because if you have lots of views and all that, you could probably get big, big, um, big, big guests and that type of thing, like your dream guests will come onto your podcast episode because you've got a massive subscriber list and things. But if you know what those metrics look like and you know that, okay, cool, each one's worth this much to me, then it just gives you that freedom to be like, well, we can spend more now to acquire um, these subscribers and push our episodes that much harder and things. So I would just keep a very close eye on like, the direct response nature of this as well to say, you want to make money out of this. Because I think we were talking a while back and you said something really insightful where it's like, um, if, I, if I'm to start a podcast and I don't take it seriously, it's not tied to my business success, then, and I'm just doing it as a hobby, it's the first thing that I will cut if I'm running my business. And I took that to heart immediately. I was like, yeah, that's so true. But if I know that like, all right, I'm promoting these ads and I don't know if they're working or not, that's the first thing that's going to be cut. Whereas if I know that they are working, it's the last thing that will be cut. So it's just trying to tie in like the promotions you're doing to your podcast to say, I know there's a direct response element to this in terms of I pay for the ads and it will turn into money within three months time or within two months time or whatever that number looks like. But you can start to get an overall picture to be like, we can't stop running these ads because that's actually making us a lot of money on the back end. Try and do your best to try and keep an eye on that. And that will just justify all your ad spend as well. It's the perfect segue into my, my next question here, but I, I love the way you're thinking about that, Tom, in like assigning value to the work you're putting into this, which is something, what, one of the challenges with podcasting is there's these layered benefits. So for example, mm. if you build a big show, the cost of a subscriber might be a fortune, but might get you speaking gigs and you do really well yep. from the stage. Or because you've got this big show is like the access to people to come on your show that you wouldn't have been mm. able to. But overwhelmingly, don't get me wrong, they're fantastic benefits you can definitely monetize. The, I suppose the synchronization between the show being bigger and your business seeing more success tend to be the things we look at. Now, for myself, I can see a direct correlation between downloads per month 
and leads per month. <laughs> they oh, work, right, okay, yep. They work hand in hand for me and like I, I would think that that's probably, I dare say where a lot of podcasters see the same thing and I know those podcasters who advertise, they get paid per thousand downloads per month is generally the metric that they kind of look towards as well. So that's probably one of the lenses. But I would ask this thing from here and this is, we're going to have to tackle this in a couple of ways. If someone has a podcast, is it okay to keep them on YouTube to watch the podcast or should you be trying to take them off YouTube? Because I'll give an example. We make this ad for my show. It's like, great, we're going to do this podcast studio ad. We make this ad. Is it reasonable to say, let's put the podcast episode, the full episode on YouTube as well and drive Mm. our traffic from this ad onto YouTube and build that subscriber base on YouTube? As you've mentioned, we can target that subscriber base later and do other things. Or should I be making a conscious effort to, no, 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 got to get them on my website. I want to get them subscribed on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is. Or how do you think about or would you think about the moving of people or keeping them on YouTube itself? All right, listeners, we had a Wi-Fi incident. Uh, Internet has gone down for Tom and he has graciously rejoined us on mobile. So if this is a little bit choppy, uh, we will do our best to edit and make work from here. But the question I left you with, Tom, is about thinking about where to send your traffic if you are doing YouTube ads as a podcaster. And you mentioned Mm. that treating YouTube as its own asset or a separate asset uh, from perhaps the Apple ecosystem or Spotify, and I, I will pick it up from there. Yeah, exactly. I think that the the way I would look at look at it is to say, get this content and make it very YouTube friendly, so that you have a YouTube asset, as opposed to trying to say, I'm trying to force a podcast episode onto YouTube. I might look at it and say, let's almost do like a director's cut. Could be quite a cool thing to do. So you could almost like you could be like doing the interview and watching it on your screen, like watching it back almost as you're doing the edit, for example. Um, and then you could almost, as you're going through it, be like, Hey, this is really interesting actually, because we did this and she so could like add these little interludes there that then like gives people the opportunity to put a call to action in there or something on those lines. And I feel like the, that as a strategy could make, make that content you've created for the podcast now become a really cool episode on YouTube and you might even chop together certain episodes to be like, actually, we had someone talk about this previously. We had this episode. Let me just cut a bit of that in now and let's listen to what they had to say. And so, so that's really interesting. So they're both saying this, but slightly different angles there. So you could do that kind of director's cut piece. That means now you're creating, you're not creating, um, you're, you're taking that existing content you have and now making it a really engaging YouTube piece as well. Because people are coming to YouTube to watch video and gain insight. And so we can give them that, but we've got all this amazing content to play with. It's like, how do you optimize that now as a YouTube experience? I'd probably start to look at it that way. Um, But that does mean extra work. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is where the conversation gets really interesting uh, from here. So like if you've got, let's say you're an audio only podcaster, I think your options are pretty limited. If you're going to make this video, you've got to be sending your traffic to your website or to your Apple podcasts or wherever it is, because you don't necessarily have these video assets to work with. Maybe, maybe you might say something different, but um, I would think that one of the things you might consider is if you're doing a video podcast, maybe having a YouTube channel and doing video for YouTube could work really well with this strategy strategy as well. And I would love your opinion on this. Do podcasting and video podcasts and then having maybe an organic YouTube channel go hand in hand. Is that an additive that might be a good move? (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that it's almost like a repurposing of these of the same content. Um, so yeah, so I think that you can you can do both things um, and very elegantly. I'm not. Um, it, it's kind of I suppose a workflow thing, like how much time and effort can you put into that? But I, I would say that the podcast episode seems easier for me because it's like a you jump on, you do the interview with a YouTube show you might now start thinking, right, well, what would be engaging for uh, rather than a podcast? And the beauty of that, though, is if you, if you get clever about it, you could almost like say, right, we're going to actually do a podcast episode, then we're going to do a TV or a, a YouTube show version of this. Uh, maybe the YouTube version of it a week later or something to like analyze what you talked about and bring in other research perhaps that you can then pull into the whole video um or just make your own video from that to say i found this a really interesting episode using youtube as almost a trailer for your podcast anyway but just taking snippets of it to make a make a whole youtube episode and bring in your own research as well which could be quite interesting i've often thought about this because this is where i think i think the future of podcasting is video i will say that the second thing I will kind of reference to there is the idea that I've thought about maybe like I ask, you know, a lot of my guests have had really good points and often they'll answer the same question. I might actually go, this is how five guests answered how to grow your podcast, the, their favorite way to grow a podcast. And you could pull in those snippets or do things mm. uniquely to make it um, that, or as you mentioned, that director's cut video of like some insights I might've got from here. So in the example of this episode, it's like, well, you know, here's the interview I did with Tom. And then after that, we did this. And you can see this is, I've got an idea here and we turned it into this episode. Like there's unique strategies and ideas that become available to you as a YouTuber and as a podcaster that maybe aren't available alone. And I love that idea of like the TV show a week later or something like that, because I think these platforms are going to become more hand in hand. And we got the news from Spotify that um, they're actually dipping into video as well. So there's going to be video nice. placements available on Spotify. I can really see this turning into a two-horse race, Tom. YouTube, YouTube <laughs> and Spotify, I think Apple's done. Well, there's going to be a, a big fight over that, I think, yeah, as well. Like YouTube will up their game, sure, and make it more friendly for that um, with this news. But yeah, I, I think that like curating that content, like doing a roundup or something on those lines or doing like a, I mean, actually one thing would be really cool is to say, the feedback you've got since the episode. So if you encourage people to leave comments and like say what they think and all that sort of stuff and like ask more questions, maybe then you can go back and do the TV show and say, Hey, we said in the podcast this last week, now we're having these questions come in. What do you say to that? Um, and so you can kind of like handle that on YouTube then. Um, because then you've just got like a new piece of content, but really interesting that you've engaged with people who already have questions around that content. And so you go deeper maybe, or you could ask them to plan a bit of a presentation or something where you can kind of document it and show more visual walkthroughs and things. Um, so it allows that creativity to be slightly different this time. So you can, you may be able to, um, be more strategic about it. I don't think I've seen that done before. Um, but I love how, certain shows on TV now have like the panel analysis of what just happened. Um, and so you like Game of Thrones in the last series um, had that a lot where you like watch the episode and then immediately after 
and it's like a live show with like these Game of Thrones geeks and experts that come together and talk it through and like and people have different opinions of what's going to happen next and like oh this is really interesting because this thing and that level that as a casual use uh, casual watcher you wouldn't remember the whole story but they bring it up you know that's really interesting like and it sparks off conversation then and maybe that's something you could potentially do is like bring if you tackled a topic for four weeks or something and then brought those four people together at the end and say have that kind of panel scenario that could be a really interesting episode um to kind of like bring in um a theme of people together to say right we're going to do the podcast episode and then you can all come together in the last week of the month um and that's going to be your youtube video i think that would be fascinating to to watch that yeah i mean so many ideas come to be and what i really enjoy about this kind of thinking is that i think podcasting has become saturated into the idea that podcasting is interviews and I mean, mm. it's what we're doing right now. Let's be real. But <laughs> yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity missed in um, being unique and different in the ideas that you've mentioned. Like, I don't think anyone's really doing panels well. I don't think many mm. people are tapping into solo episodes or director's cuts um, or creating like follow-up episodes that talk about maybe a previous episode that's covered. So there's so many unique ways to think about what could be done here. Now, we're drawing yeah. close to the end here, Tom. I wanted to uh, make sure to recognise, I'm sure people who have tuned into this episode are going to want to know, well, where can I learn more about what Tom teaches and what he does with YouTube? Where's the best place for people to come and learn more about YouTube, see what you're getting up to? Where should people go? Yeah, so we've got the agency site and the training site, which is viewability.co.uk. Um, it's a bit like there is a good place to understand like if you want to potentially engage with us on an agency level great that's the place to come and also if you're looking to potentially become really good at running youtube ads be it that for your own company or as an agency for other companies or if you're just looking to become an ad buyer and explore it then viewability is the home for that which is much more a case of where i can start talking more freely and not and um speaking my mind more um on that brand as well so there's, there's a Tom Breeze brand and then there's the, um, the viewability brand. Um, but both are, if you want to learn YouTube ads or get into YouTube and understand the strategies and things, one of those two websites are the viewability.co.uk or tombreeze.com. Awesome, Tom. Well, I'll make sure to include links in the description. We'll uh, post through because honestly, people really should be paying. If you're going to get into YouTube ads, this is the place to go. I can't recommend it more highly. Don't make the $1,000 donation that I decided to make. You don't have to. You can skip that step. It'll be much cheaper and uh, better to just work with Tom and, and make that happen. So, you Tom, can I'll say it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just give it to Tom. Yeah. Um, but big thank you for coming on the show. We're going to wrap this one up from here. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the business of podcasting.